It is Locked On Jazz for the 7th of July. Rudy Gobert says the window was closed. Was it really? Walker Kessler and Leandro Balmero, who are they? And could they help the Utah Jazz? And the next big trend of the NBA and how it changes the game. All coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. And if you have a second to give us a five-star review or give us a thumbs up in the YouTube, it's greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Want to talk about the comments that Rudy Gobert made yesterday at the press conference. He was incredibly classy. He was great in the, at the press conference in Minnesota. And then wanted... There have been a lot of questions about Walker Kessler and Leandro Balmero, who Brian Bailey said we might see in Vegas, so that could make Vegas Summer League really interesting. And then I alluded to this yesterday, the next big trend of the NBA, which is big ball handlers, and we're going to touch on So let's start with Rudy's comment that Rudy said that the window, he thought the, you know, sometimes the window is closed faster than you realize. And it's a... It's an interesting question about the Utah Jazz of whether or not the Jazz window had closed. And what jumps out to me here in this question, when you look at this, is there's two things that I think we have to try to figure out. And that was kind of first is like, really, what was it? What was the window? The one thing, and I was talking to actually Kevin Pelton about this last night, is if you look at our performance as a franchise over the last five years. We win 59% of our games. We win 61% of our games. We win 72% of our games. And we win 60% of our games. We're, if you even go back to Gordon, to the um, 16, 17 year with Gordon Hayward, like it's amazingly consistent. 62, 59, 61, 61, 60. If you take out the COVID season, of who the Utah Jazz were, you would look at us and say we were a 50-win team that couldn't break, that that sometimes won a first-round series and sometimes didn't, like, right? And then we have the one season where we win 72% of our games and it looks totally different as though we've broken through to a, to a, to a, to a totally different level as a franchise and made us all believe that, rightfully so. It was a very different season than maybe any season, certainly than any season the NBA's ever seen before. And it does make me wonder a little bit of whether or not when you evaluate and Rudy says our window was closed, like what was our window really? Was it a championship window? Was it a really good window? If you take out the COVID season, I don't know that you would ever look at that collection of talent and say to yourself, that was a championship-level team. 
It wasn't until we had this great year where we were unbelievable, had a plus nine differential or whatever it was, plus 11 differential, had the best record in the NBA in a season that was definitely different than any other season. And we've gotten into it before on this show about, you know, what some things the Jazz coaching staff and team did that year, which the rest of the league didn't do when there was a lack of preparation by the league. I generally think that most of the league punted on that season and we didn't. And our coaching staff got incredibly detailed and did all sorts of amazing work and was able to break down what had to, you know, how to prepare, how to get systems in, change the way they played with the early threes and the rest of the league didn't catch up to it. And so I am a little bit of a believer that it's a little bit outlier. And so it's interesting to me on the idea that our window was closed. The first question I would ask on this concept is how open was the window really? Right? Like we thought we had this championship level team, and then it's in this one outlier season. And when we played the Clippers, we got really, we got kind of exposed and never recovered. And I wonder if, just in retrospect, like the expectations got beyond the reality because of that season. And then that also led to all the turmoil of this last year. It's, it's retrospective, but it's, an in, it's, it's worth at least kind of trying to figure out of, of how advanced were we. Right? So, if the window had cl- the the window to what had closed, and then the second question is, had that window closed? And I, you know, I think internally, the team just didn't have it anymore. Right? We saw that last year. This was a team that didn't enjoy coming to work together. They didn't enjoy playing together. They didn't play with a great deal of zest. They didn't play with a great deal of passion. And while they had these like moments. They just didn't handle adversity particularly well. You know, you have the Donovan lob to Rudy, and you think that's going to turn the corner. It just doesn't. And the fact that this team, you know, doesn't beat Dallas in a bunch of games without Luka, I think is pretty telling as well. So when you when you look at it, I, I think that Rudy might be accurate. That that the 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 window the window internally closed. From a talent standpoint, Rudy's still great. Donovan's still great. Mike was fabulous during the regular season last year. Boyan's still really good. The question to me is actually, you know, what were we? Like, I'm still not clear on what the window was to. Like, it felt at the time, as a fan, as someone rooting for the team, as someone wanting them to be great, that it was a championship caliber. I, I, I thought we had a real chance to make the NBA Finals last year. When the year started, coming off that previous year, it felt like there wasn't anybody. I, I didn't buy into the Warriors, missed on that. Certainly didn't buy into the Lakers, was right on that. Didn't Thought Phoenix would struggle their second coming back a second year. And just didn't, didn't Denver with their injuries, just didn't, Lakers, Clippers with their injuries, didn't see another team to take it. And Memphis became that upstart team. And so I, I did. I'm as guilty as anyone. But in retrospect, when I go look at it and you just see that consistency, except for that one blip, it makes you wonder whether or not really what got kind of was the expectations a unique season got us just off kilter. And then I think that ate us away internally, frankly. Um, and so anyway, it, it, Rudy's comments were just, hey, sometimes that window closes faster than you think it's going to. And our window was probably, what, a five-year little window of, of 61, 61, 60, 72, and 60% winning percentages with two first round wins in the five years of, of this team constructed as Donovan and Rudy. It's not actually a small window. Um, and so I do think there's some validity to that. And I think the window also closed as we've talked about all week 
when they ran around the league and didn't have other options by which to build the team. And the, you know, the story of Donovan, um, you know, checking in with the franchise to see what's going on seems pretty reasonable. And, you know, we're doing what's right for the franchise, I think is a pretty understandable, um, and, and it's like the right comment. If that's truly what the Jazz said to Donovan, it's like, well, we're, we're doing what's right by the franchise. And what wasn't right by the franchise was rolling it back. And what wasn't right by the franchise was having no flexibility. And so we'll be interesting to see. I mean, certainly our roster is not complete right now, but uh, I thought it was an accurate comment by Rudy. I thought it was a fair comment by Rudy. The, the question I just would leave you with it is in retrospect, like what was the window? Was it really a championship window or is it just a really, really good window? And if it was just a really, really good window, I actually think that window was open. We could have decided as a franchise, we're going to keep Rudy. We're going to win 50 games for every year for the next five years because he's Rudy. We're going to pay him $40 million in the back end of the contract, which, you know, if you talk around league circles, that that those last two numbers are just thought to be outrageous. And the fact that the Jazz got out from under him, most people in the league think is just a is a miraculous accomplishment. Um, you know, I don't know if we'll see. I feel like this, the salary numbers are moving up and that may, might not be as horrific a number as people make it sound. But um, I think, that, you know, if I think the window that was still open was the 50 wins every single season, as long as you have Rudy Gobert on your roster, and that's the window. But that also might have been where that window was. Like, I don't know that it was a window with a view to the most beautiful vistas of the Alps of of Europe, where I, I think it was just a nice little view of 50 wins. And I think that window was still open. Um, and I think we decided that that window wasn't enough. So interesting kind of debate amongst yourselves um, about that. And you can talk about it in the YouTube uh, chat. Who is Walker Kessler? Who is Leandro Balmero? The two young unestablished players that the Jazz got in their collection of five from the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll try to tell you who both of those are as we continue. Today is a Thursday edition of Locked On Jazz. There's a group out in Utah County. It's called Summit Capital. Uh, Jeff and, and Matt and David are Summit Capital. And they actually invested in Locked On. That's, uh, if you want the backstory on how we got to know them, um, they invested in, in Locked On. And, and when they invested in Locked On, they, they really, it was interesting. They didn't know a great deal about the media business, but Jeff was a huge listener, thought we were onto something, wanted to meet with us when he heard we were taking investment. Uh, Brian Henderson in town kind of connected us. And uh, we met with them. I thought it was really interesting. They asked great questions, but they didn't act like experts. They didn't tell us how we were supposed to do it. They were a great pleasure to work with. They were not that private equity or venture capital firm that gave you an artificial timeline or told you when you had to exit. They were actually fabulous. The day we exited, they said, well, we wish we had invested more because it worked out pretty well. So here's what they're looking for. They're looking to provide capital for management seeking to buy out the owner of the business they work in. So someone works in a business. They have all the expertise of the business, but they don't have the ownership. They have visions of where to take it. The owners aren't quite ready to go there or it's not their right timelines, inconsistent timelines. So Summit Cap comes in. They provide the capital for the management. They buy out the owners. The owners win. And then you use, but you don't have the equity. So Summit Cap comes in and does it for you. It's a really interesting thing. Take your expertise. Take the company to the next level. Change your life. Um, and Summit Cap's a great partner to do it. They're also looking for owners who are seeking to sell businesses, entrepreneurs seeking capital to help grow their own businesses. So if you're 
have any of those things click, you can reach out to Matt at 801-796-2033. Just feel free to text him. Tell him you're with Locked On. 801-796-2033. 801-796-2033. Or you can email LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com or contact us. Uh, contact them at SummitCapUtah.com. LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock Auto, reliably low prices, amazing selection. It's all the parts your car will ever need. With the increasing numbers of makes and models out there and supply chain issues, there's no way that local stores can keep everything in stock for you. So go to the old school site, rockauto.com. No glitz, no flash, just an easy to navigate old school site that will save you 30, 50, or even 100% more on parts from chain, than chain stores will. Whether it's the fuel pump for your Honda Odyssey, whether it's a carpet for your car, whether it's brake parts, whatever you need. Whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or whether you are a professional. Rock Auto is the family business that's been serving people for over 20 years and is here to help you now. Lo- reliably low prices for every customers. So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solutions to your auto part needs. Please, when you're checking out, write Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us box. That's Locked On in the How'd You Hear Us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. We do this Locked On Jazz thing every single day. Tomorrow is Ask LOJ. So on the Twitter, send me a hashtag AskLOJ so I can go find those and we'll bring them up and ask your questions on which I'm sure will be a busy day of Ask LOJ. And thanks so much for making us your first listen today. Locked On NBA is covering all the latest rumors. Kyrie, Kevin Durant, all the rest on Locked On NBA. Let's start with the 2020 23rd pick of the draft, Leandro Balmero. As our uh, on someone the Jazz got, he's not been talked about a great deal. He was acquired by the by Minnesota in the 2020 draft, and he uh, he has not had. He came and he actually started a game last year, I think, against the Jazz. It might have been his only start. He did not play the 2021 season, so he waited a year in Arge- playing in Barcelona. He's from Argentina, and he came over and played this last year for Minnesota. He played 35 games, and he did not shoot it well at all. He shot 31.5%, 28% from three, and you know probably was just a little overwhelmed and outclassed by um, the the NBA game. He's listed anywhere between six, six and six, seven, depending on the day. Um, and I, uh, he did start a game this year and it was not against us. I apologize. He did. He played 14 minutes against us. He went over three, um, in a game, but he did not start that game. He may have started kind of the game before. Um, but nonetheless, um, so there's a few things I always like to look at with players and it's probably too early. The first one I always look at on a player is, what happened in the draft around him? So was he drafted the 20th pick, 23rd pick of the draft, and then nobody else hit? And so you're like, he, the draft is should bottom out. Well, the exact opposite is true here. R.J. Hampton, Emmanuel Quickly, Peyton Pritchard, Jaden McDaniels, Desmond Bain, all drafted at Theo Maladin, Xavier Tillman, all drafted after him. So... The Knicks draft him at the 23rd pick. He's wildly underperformed for the draft. He's played the fewest games of anyone in that first round other than Udoka Azabuke. He's played the fewest minutes 
of any player that was drafted in that first round because he didn't play the first year. His shooting percentage at 31.5 is the lowest of anyone in that first round. So he's really untapped and has did not have a great start to his career. Maybe the restart, maybe a new spot is good for him. So who is he? He's out of Argentina. He most recently has played for Barcelona. He is a ball handling ball handling wing player. Um, and he, he, in Barcelona, he played kind of both for their, their main team and for their lower level team. And Barcelona is kind of the Yankees of Spain. Like he, that's, that's a pretty big deal. He played some third division for them. He then played up a little bit. He did a bunch of different kind of, he played in different levels and he had different set of experiences because at sometimes he was the primary guy. And at other times he really was just kind of a fringe piece in that. Um, in his last year of in Europe, he played a collection of 22 games between all of these different things. He shot 42% from the floor, 28% from three, and 67% from the free throw. The biggest concern on him is this lack of shooting, and this could prohibit him from being able to break through. He was a member of the U-17 Argentina team. He was their pri- one of their primary ball handlers at 14 points, four rebounds, two assists. On the offensive side, he is a pretty good ball handler. He is not an elite like explosive athlete, but he has great hesitation, great change of speed in some of the videos I've watched. Petrie Hoops did a great job on this. And he does play with a level of hesitation that makes you actually, that's to me, everyone in the NBA is fast. So can you change speeds? Can you figure out how to um, do different things? I think is a, is maybe as important a skill as there is. He does. He certainly has that. Um, you know, he's, he's white foreign and he's six, six and he handles the ball. So everyone wants to go to Joe Ingles. You know, I don't think I'm going there, but there are some elements that he is a natural ball handler. He turns it over at a pretty high rate, but I would say his handle is really pretty good. Like it's tight. It's his, his turnovers that I've seen come from these kind of wild passes and trying to do too much and do some things of, of that sort. And the same thing showed a little bit when he was in the um, G League this year, he played 20, 11 games in the G League this year, and he turned it over 3.5 times per 32 minutes, which is too high. The shooting numbers are like the exact same, 44% from the field, 27% from three. He does shoot his free throws well in the G League. He's at 90%. He's only at 67% in Europe, which is a little unnerving on whether he's going to be able to shoot um, – you know, high-level three-point shooting. Um, In the G League, he averaged 14 points, five rebounds, and six assists. I mean, this is this kind of versatile 6'6", multiple, uh, you know, positional player, does a bunch of balling. What's interesting about him is all reports is defensively, he's actually pretty good. His numbers defensively are are, are good. He had 1.4 steals per game in the G League. He had 1.5 steals per game in Europe. So he's super active defensively. And he's able to kind of get into guys and play with a tenacity level that might be able to make him a spot, you know, get him some time in the league. So he, his, the, the ball handling, wing player, limited experience, tough rookie year, came to the league. He's still super young, came to the league at 18. Um, he is now just, I think, 21 years of age. His birthday is September 11th of 20, of 2000 the year before. So he's 20. That makes him 20 about to turn 22. So he's still, you know, super young, but he was, you know, he began his pro career at 16 years old in Argentina. And then by 18, 19, he goes to FC Barcelona 
and which is you know a big time. And he plays their second tier, their third. He kind of bounces around, as as I mentioned. Um, so the question on him is going to be whether he can ever shoot the three well enough and add that skill. And then the other question is whether he can get his turnovers. Uh, otherwise, the under control. Otherwise, he does have some unique skills and does seem to be able to probably handle himself um, adequately on both the defensive end and as a ball handler and a big ball handler in that you know nice positional size at six six two hundred, not super length. Walker Kessler, we're talking positional size, seven foot one with a seven four wingspan, which is a plus three, which is good before we ever met Rudy Gobert. We would have liked that. And a 9-5 standing reach, which is also good before we met Rudy Gobert. As you've probably heard, his block rate last year at Auburn is the greatest ever in the history of the NCAA. When Kevin Pelton did his draft stuff this year, he came out as one of the best draft prospects because block rate and use block rate and steal rate are the two numbers that happen in college that usually uh, protend to a very good pro pro respect in that also. Um, he is not a good free throw shooter. So the idea of him ever stretching out his game seems unlikely. He's a 58% free throw shooter. He's from a basketball family. Both his dad and his uncle played at Georgia. Uh, his brother played at Georgia as well. Um, so he's from a basketball family. They're obviously super tall. He's a top 25 recruit in the country who started his career at North Carolina and then went after 29 games in North Carolina in limited time. He went and played at Auburn last year and got a ton of time at Auburn. He did actually have kind of a fun triple double last year where he had 11 blocks um, against LSU. I mean, that's he, his block rate last year was just an astronomical uh, number on him. He, now against Miami in the NCAA tournament, he gets played off the court. He, they end up, hunting him in pick and rolls. He gets stretched out. And this is going to be the big question for Walker Kessler is how does he survive? He's not a switching big. So I do think that drop coverage still matters in the NBA and that the big that drops back is going to be important until we get to the point where we're shooting off the bounce threes at 36, 37, 38%. It's still going to matter in the NBA. It's still going to be the right play a lot of times. And so I, you know, I think that Walker Kessler actually has a role. Now, in the playoffs, that gets a little tougher. And maybe this is the right way to have your drop big, is if Kessler can figure this out, he's your, depending on the night, he's playing somewhere between 15 and 25 to night minutes a night as your drop big and impact the game in different ways. But he's probably not a 32-minute-a-night starting center at this point. But, you know, rim protection is still very, very important. We've said from the beginning, you know, we've talked about this a lot. The best teams in the NBA are the teams that are able to deny the rim. And those are the teams that make the playoffs. The tricky thing is that when teams suddenly get to the point where they have, they get to the playoffs, then they are able to play the mid-range game, spread you out five wide. And that's not going to be something that's good for Walker Kessler in that circumstance. But it doesn't mean that you have, only one way to play now, and I think Walker Kessler is an important player still in the old school drop big. That just means he's probably not a massive playoff player, and he's going to have because he's not you know as agile as some of the best and most bigs. But he, I think he'll be able to play, and he probably will be able to play pretty quickly. Like I don't think it's an outlandish concept as a rookie to expect him to be able to play ten to fifteen minutes a night unless we suddenly see massive foul trouble 
out of him. So those are the two youngsters, Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, I think you probably know, but I'll give you some breakdowns of his week going on. And it sounds as though we may see both Balmero and Kessler in Vegas. I know Kessler was planning on playing in Vegas for Minnesota, so this isn't a change. I don't know if Balmero is planning on it now um, and what his original plans were, but we may see him in Vegas. So that would make Jazz Summer League in Vegas much, much more interesting. The next big trend in the NBA and where we're heading um, for you coming up. Today's show is brought to you in part by Built Bar. What do we got going on at Built today? Get your favorite gluten-free bars, Built Bars, chocolate brownie chunk puffs are still back. I probably have like a hundred Built Bars still like in a box over there. So like I can't order more brownie batter or more chocolate brownie chunk puffs, but I would like to because the fear of running out, I have that anxiety. Chocolate, coconut marshmallow puffs are great as well. The new raspberry lemonade is there for you. It's the incredible macros. It's Built Bar with 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, four net carbs, four grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein in a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're just outstanding. If you have not done Built Bar yet, do it now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off this order and every other order you come with. LOCKED15 is your Built Bar order uh, discount code and it's unequaled. Go get it done right now and take advantage. Find out about the Puffs. Kylie, our Director of Operations, I were discussing Bar versus Puffs yesterday. Her husband, Carson, is a bar person. She's a puff person. I'm a puff person. I'm in on the puffs. I love the puffs. It just tastes like marshmallow. It's like having a marshmallow and calling it a protein bar. It's pretty great. It's all at built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Chevy, located in Logan and in Woods Cross. The Chevy lineup of cars is just outstanding. The Murdoch Chevy uh, Suburban and Tahoes are the SUVs you know well. The Colorado in the Silverado is the truck lineup that's just unequaled. What you might not know is how great the SUV lineup is overall. The crossovers and SUVs running from the smallest one, the tracks to the Equinox, to the Traverse, to the awesome Blazer and Trailblazer that lead you up to the mother loads, the Tahoe and the Suburban. The Volt is the Bolt, excuse me, not the Volt. The Bolt is their electric car, and it is getting rave reviews as well over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also in Linda, in Logan. If you're heading over, feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com, and we will get you taken care of. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are here for you tomorrow with Ask LOJ, hashtag Ask LOJ. So I think this is a huge discussion point. I just want to throw it out there. We can start talking about it more and more as time goes on. The six. Eight, six, nine, seven foot ball handler. This is the next massive thing in the NBA. Chet Holmgren is one of them. We saw Chet Holmgren the other night. He's going to bring the ball up the floor at seven foot one and initiate their offense. Kevin Durant does it. Draymond Green at six nine. Luka does it. Jokic does it. Zion plays point guard basically. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. LeBron James, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Paolo Banchero is going to do it. Bam, sort of. Tobias and Embiid, sort of, but not totally. Pascal Siakam, sort of in Toronto. Half the league. Half the league. And we're going to get three more coming next year in the draft. We're going to be at 2022 six, nine, seven foot ball ha- primary ball handlers in this league very soon. 
And it does some interesting things. It means if you're a 6-1 point guard, you suddenly are in for a real bear. You're a small point guard, and they run a pick and roll with Chet Holmgren, and now you're 6-1 trying to deal with a 7-1 Chet Holmgren. Might be seeing it with Carl Anthony Towns now. Now that Rudy's on that team. The other one that gets interesting is as a is if they're your center and your center starts the possession on Chet Holmgren and then Chet Holmgren runs on a pick and roll and you switch it because it's on a 6-1 guard and you can't drop your 6-1 guard, you're really going to start daring these guys to shoot the three and if they can start shooting the three, it gets interesting. So you're going to try to get the big back in front to re-defend, but then you're also that your big is now better be agile and, and good defensively to be able to handle at seven to defend out at seven feet. If you're the six-one guard, you're going to get pinned and get bow guarded down to the paint. If you're if what if you become the big lumbering center and you're guarding there, and then you get switched onto the point guard, so then he goes down the post and kicks back out, and now you've got now you've got the point guard of six four six five on the other team trying to take your take your center, now you're out into this whole five-out stretch concept that Rudy's had to deal with for the last few years on a center that's not as agile as Rudy. This is going to be the next biggest trend of the league, which is the fact that the that you're going to have these seven-foot ball handlers coming in. And if you're switching all of it, it it's, it's the counter to everybody switching. And it's going to be a problem. You're going to almost have to get your center back out Behind between him and the ball, which is going to lead to open threes for them off the bounce, which Holmgren hit the other night, which Durant can hit at such a rate, which these guys, you know, if these guys can really hit it. And then it's where Draymond just plays the handoff game with Steph and Clay, and your big is back and you're dead. So that's going to be the, 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 so the answer then is you switch it tight, but now you've got a six one on a seven footer, and then you've got a seven, you've got your seven footer on, a, on their guard if they spread it out correctly. So this is going to be kind of the next step, step, and it's going to it's going to be super difficult for anyone who's on the spectrum of size on either side of things, being a, a small guard or a big center. And that you know Walker Kessler we just talked about, also Donovan Mitchell. Frankly, um, we see what happens um, on that. It's this is also where like our window might have closed a little bit from the, where the show started because the game changed, and some of the things we had on our roster just probably weren't going to be able to, to hold up over time. Um, so be interesting. Uh, quick thought on summer league. We didn't really play much of anyone yesterday. I th- I do like James Palmer. Uh, James Palmer made a few had a few rebounds, had a few plays where he jumped athletically off the floor. When I was sitting, you know, calling the game courtside last night, he just was better. He was just a bigger, better athlete than everyone else. Um, so that jumped out to me. Um, there's a love affair going on with Urban, which I, I get. Um, and I th- uh, I think you just got to make sure that there isn't like overzealousness with him because I thought there was as many good plays as bad plays. Um, with his excessive energy, which is awesome to have excessive energy, but there were a few times where I thought, you know, bad closeout on the on the left corner or some things like that, where it just, you know, fundamentally you've got to be, you can't just be all juice. Um, but I like him. I, I kind of like the way he plays, pushes ahead, plays with energy. So those two guys, um, Usher and Palmer, were the standouts to me yesterday. We'll see Jared Butler back at it. Point guard play is so important. Cassius Winston dominated that game last night. When he was on the floor, they were good. When he was off the floor, they had no point guard and the Jazz dominated. And then when Cassius Winslow came back, Cassius Winston just took over the game. So point guard play, it's vital. I thought our little point guard played pretty well last night, Robinson. Um, 
But Cassius Winston, who with his Big Ten background. So that's what the Jazz want to see out of Jared Butler uh, tonight. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Ask LOJ tomorrow. Get the hashtag out and send me your thoughts and comments. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Now go make Locked on NBA your second listen of the day.